chapter 5. Thank you so much, Amanda, and thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Bobby, for leading us. One Sunday he preaches, one Sunday he sings. Next Sunday he's going to leap tall buildings at a single bound. But we appreciate Bobby, and thank you for uh, filling in. We appreciate that. Always good to see you today. We're glad you made it. You got up this morning. As Dick said, yeah, you look a little tired, but you look happy. And we're glad that you're here. I know the Lord has great things in store for us today. I want to thank you for walking with us over these past few weeks as we've looked at the first four chapters in Romans and talked about why should we believe standing up for Jesus. I am convinced we will not be disappointed. We will not be disappointed as we continue to walk through Scripture, whether it be the great stories of the Old Testament, whether it be the stories of the Gospel that tell us about the life of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whether it be prophecies or even the letters such as what we are reading today, I'm convinced we will not be disappointed. If you found Romans chapter 5 already, I want to give you a little bit of preview. We're starting a new series of messages on... He is alive and He's working in you. We're getting ready. We're preparing our hearts, preparing our time together for Easter Sunday. So on Easter Sunday, we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. I want you to look at Romans 8 verse 11, probably just the next page or page or two as you look over from Romans 5. Let me go ahead and read that for you and you'll be ready and know exactly what direction we're going over the next few weeks. It says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. In other words, we are going to continue to focus on the resurrection of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who He is and what difference it makes in our life for today and certainly for the future. We know that He gives us life and we want to look alive, brothers and sisters. We want to look alive in Christ. I was talking to a fellow just a couple of weeks ago and was thankful that we had been studying the very passages that we were studying This one, uh, he, as we talked a little bit about faith, he knows of Jesus. Some of his family members are Christians, but he said that he is not a Christian. And he had some questions and had some reasons, I guess, to why he was not a believer. And One of the things he wanted to know, he said, how about those people who live far off and far away who never hear the name of Jesus, what's going to happen to them? And I said, well... We've been studying in our church in Romans chapter 1 and Romans chapter 2. And there it tells us that we're all held responsible, that even nature points to the fact that there is a God. And we're responsible for our own sins. In fact, the scripture says we are without excuse. But also all those who seek the Lord, all those who seek Jesus will find Him. And then he asked the question, he also wanted to know, uh, if uh, how about those... Uh, who are good. He said he felt like there was a heaven and a hell, and if you're good, well, you ought to be able to go to heaven, and if you're bad, well, you may end up in hell. So you just need to try to be good. And I said, well, I said, a lot of people feel that way. You're in good company because a lot of people feel that very same way, that if you're good enough, you ought to be able to go to heaven, and if you're not good enough, you ought to go to hell. But the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that there is no one righteous, no, not one, so that all of us, no one is good enough If it were held of how good we are, none of us were good enough. Only one was, and that was Jesus Christ. Only He was the one that was righteous. Only He was good enough to take our place on the cross, take our punishment for us so that we might be able to have life and live eternally in heaven. Then He asked, what about all those people who lived before Jesus? They can't be saved. None of those will make it to heaven, will they? And I said, funny you should ask, because this past Sunday, this was a couple of weeks ago, We talked in Romans chapter 4 where it tells us that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he asked him, we said, well, what did Abraham believe? I said, Abraham believed in a living God and a future hope. 
And today we believe in a living God and a future hope found only in Jesus. i got to tell you, I was thankful that we were talking, at least at that time, and had been going through the first few chapters in Romans. But what was happening was turning more into a debate class rather than a gospel conversation. And I realized what was needed was not debate, though I sometimes welcome a good debate, but a personal testimony of the difference that Jesus Christ makes in my life today. Now I'd like to tell you that that person put their faith in Christ on that day, but as far as I know, he did not. He did allow me to pray for him and hope a seed was planted that will come to bear fruit one day. But today I want you to know that we're making a transition. We've looked at Romans chapters 1 through 4 and talked about what we believe, and we're making a transition now to being able to talk about the difference that Jesus Christ makes in our life today because He is alive and He offers hope. Now, our theme this year for our church is to be on mission here, there, and everywhere. In fact, we saw that uh, come to reality even over spring break as we had folks that went to Arizona and some went to Africa and some stayed here in Auburn and we had mission work going on in Auburn. In fact, somebody said, this month we've been AAA. I said, what in the world? Been like AAA? What are you talking about? I said, we've been to Arizona, been to Africa, and now we're in Auburn. I wish I'd have thought of that. So I thought that was pretty good. But we're always to be on mission. And as a part of our theme and kind of in unison with the Southern Baptist Convention, we're asking who's your one. We're asking you, all of us who are members of Parkway Baptist Church, we're asking that you might lead someone to the Lord Jesus this year during 2019, that you might be able to see someone come to know Christ. And in preparation for Easter Sunday, we kind of, kind of have a microcosm of this very thing. We're just under a month away and yesterday I put the gospel conversation that I just shared on the website. And we want to have 30 days of gospel conversations between yesterday and Easter Sunday. And we want you to be able to tell us about those. You can give them to us. You can email it to us. You can put it on our website. And uh, you can do it anonymously, of course. And so, well, we'll put it on anonymously. You can write it down and bring it to us the old-fashioned way. But we'd love for you to be involved. And we need you to be a part of writing down gospel conversations. It could be a couple of sentences to a few paragraphs that you may have had with someone either during these 30 days or maybe someone in the past few weeks or even the past few months so that we might be able to be encouraged about that and that we might be thinking about it for 30 days. Now, think about this. What is it they say that if you do something for 30 days consistently, it becomes a what? It becomes a habit. It becomes a lifestyle. We want it to be a lifestyle of having gospel conversations, and being on mission. I certainly believe the truths in the first four chapters of Romans are necessary for us to understand what we believe and have a handle on these truths to be able to share with others. The summary of these chapters that we read in Romans 1-4, through 4, it's found in that verse 1 of Romans chapter 5. Romans 5 and verse 1 says, We have been justified by faith. Our faith in Christ alone allows you and me to be forgiven of sin in order that we might have a relationship with Jesus and an eternal home in heaven. People need to know the truth, and they also need to know the difference Christ makes in you. People need to know He's alive and He's working in you. So beginning with Romans chapter 5 and over these next few weeks, and as we hit the, that verse that we read in Romans chapter 8, we're going to be finding out how Christ is able to work in and through each one of you, each one of us. So let's read Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11 today. 
And those of you that are able, would you stand and honor the reading of God's Word? Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that sufferings produce endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die, but God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word, and you may be seated. Now, as I look over this sea of smiling faces, it's hard for me to believe that any of you have a care in this world. However, I know, I know as you come into this place, member or guest, that all of us carry some kind of burden, some kind of life crisis, some kind of problem or issue that we have and we want to be friendly in our church and we want to be friendly as people come in and we think why do we want to be friendly so that other people and that we might be able to share with other people we might leave here more confident who Christ is sometimes as people talk about church and church members they talk about well sometimes church people are a little bit fake I mean we come in with all of our smiles when we really have troubles or we're one thing inside the church Another something outside the church. You know, I don't believe that for one moment. I mean, for most of us, for most of you. Because I believe we come in with smiling faces, not because we've got it all together. Because we know that we're in this thing together. We know that we, everybody has some burdens and problems. We may not know everyone's specific problems and burdens. I know some of yours. You know some of mine. But we're able to share that together. We know that we have one who is a living hope, one that is able to help us and walk with us along the way. We're smiling because we're not trying to fool anybody. We smile because of the love of Jesus, because we live in an imperfect world. We're imperfect people, but we keep our faith and hope in a perfect, gracious, and loving God. Romans 5, 5, we read just a moment ago. It kind of serves as a central theme for us as this hope will not put us to shame, or this hope will not disappoint us. It kind of also keeps in unison with what we call a love chapter sometimes, where it talks about love, and it says, love always hope. Well, we've placed our hope in Jesus, and we want to remind or encourage others who come, who also need to place their hope in Jesus, we know. This is why we meet and greet and speak at church. But also, there are folks who've never stepped foot on our campus, people that you know, people that you run into regularly, or maybe people that you'll run into this week, who are also hurting and facing life issues. Our mission on this campus or off is to show God's love by offering the hope that we have found in Christ. Sure, we hope for the best for all people, but more than that, we are to be agents of hope. 
not keeping it to ourselves, but sharing that with the others that we know that we have found the one who is the hope of the world. Many people, if they're honest, they're, they're glad to hear about the fact that there's a future for believers. There's a heavenly home, and we talk about that heavenly home, and we'll continue to. But most people, if they're honest, they want to know not only what's going to happen in the afterlife, but they want to know what kind of hope there is for the here and now. For these days while we're here on this earth, how is it that the Lord is going to make a difference in our life? And we're going to look at how the Lord makes a difference and not just hope for the future, but hope for today. So according to Romans 5, hope does not disappoint us because of these four things. The first one is this, because of His joy and peace. Because of His joy and peace. Three times in these verses we're told as believers to rejoice. Did you notice them? The first one was in verse 2, rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Second was found in verse 3, where it says to rejoice in our suffering. Verse 11 says to rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This chapter has a spirit of exaltation and joy that we have as believers because Jesus has paid the price. And if you have placed your faith in Jesus, you can rejoice. Now, If you've repented, put your faith in Him, you can rejoice and share in His glory. That is, experience His glory. Certainly to a fuller extent in the future, but no reason to wait. You can have a real relationship with Jesus right now. Now look at verse 1. Since we are justified by faith, we have what with God? Does the Scripture say? We have peace with God. Not just in the future, but right now. Now, sometimes we talk about peace. We talk about peace maybe in at least three different ways. Sometimes it's uh, world peace. My goodness, the United Nations now has been working for several decades in order that there might be peace around the world. Hadn't happened quite yet. Some people think now, and they'll talk and they'll say, now if, you can, if we'll all just envision peace, or if we'll think peace, it will happen. There'll be peace around the world. If we can all get our minds right and think peace and envision peace. Well, that's not the kind of peace that the Lord provides for us, at least not until He returns as the Prince of Peace. And then sometimes we talk about peace of mind. We believe that we want to have peace of mind. People are looking for a little contentment in this life. And there are a lot of Christians who find contentment in serving their Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And there are times when I know that I'm in the center of God's will, doing and I'm finding myself doing exactly, I believe, what the Lord would have me to do, and I have a sense and a feeling of peace about doing that. But can I tell you that there are many times when maybe I'm not quite sure. I'm hoping I'm doing the right thing. I'm hoping I'm doing that which is best. Or sometimes maybe somebody has said something, or they've disagreed with me, or they're not all that happy with me, and then sometimes that feeling of peace just escapes me for a time. So maybe it's not just the feeling of peace that we might have from time to time that Jesus is talking about. You know know why I feel that way? Because I'm like most believers. Well, I've got ups and downs, and that peaceful, easy feeling sometimes goes away. So I don't think it's that kind of peace that Jesus is talking about, that Paul's talking about here in Romans chapter 5. If if Romans 5 and 1's not talking about world peace, and it's not necessarily talking about a feeling of contentment or serenity, then what is it talking about? Sometime back I had a Sunday school teacher ask me after church, I think she was perhaps, her class was talking about the fruits of the Spirit, and they came and she asked me, she wanted to know if I knew how to define peace 
as it's mentioned in the Bible, and she wasn't sure that she necessarily had that kind of peace. And uh, I knew the Sunday school teacher fairly well, knew she probably already had an answer of what she was asking. She said, what do you think that peace is about? She said, well, I know it may not have so much to do with feelings because feelings come and go, and I kind of agreed with her. I said, well, let me ask you, do you know that Jesus died for you on the cross? She said, yes. I said, do you know that Jesus has forgiven you of all sins and you no longer are a slave to sin? She said, yes, I know that. I said, do you know that you have a home in heaven and one day that you'll be with Jesus in heaven and He's walking with you today and He has purpose in your life and in everything that you do? Do you know that? She said, yes, I know that for sure. I said, do you know that peace that you're asking about? I said, I think you've got it. Let's stop searching for that feeling of peace that always seems to be just out of reach. Stop thinking that just around the next corner of life is going to be that contentment and tranquility we've been looking for. Philippians 4, 7 calls it the peace that passeth all understanding or surpasses all understanding. So that that may be our problem. We're trying to understand it and describe it and put our hands on it instead of accepting it by faith. Well, if you're taking notes, there's a third thing that we're talking about, and it has to do with the peace of knowing Jesus personally. You might want to put an asterisk by it. There may already be one. Yes, there. Oh, I got one on the notes anywhere. That this is what the peace that he's talking about. It's the peace of knowing Jesus personally. And today, if you know Jesus laid his life down for you, and the Lord has nothing against you because he's forgiven you of sins, past, present, and future, you're no longer that slave to sin or to guilt, that peace that we've been talking about. I think you've got it. Here's the thing. Most or many believers don't know they've got it. That's why Paul wrote it down. So that we might be able to know that, oh, this is what he's talking about. This is what I've got already. We accept it by faith. And we know that Jesus, we know that He loves us. And He wants to give us and walk with us in the new life every day. Now that... It's a rich word, peace, that speaks of new relationship which exists between Jesus and those who turn to Him in faith. We're no longer in conflict with God. It's the guarantee that the penalty of sin and the fear of the wrath of God has been removed. Not because anything that we have done, but because of the grace of God that we've accepted the free gift through putting our faith in Him. Now, Peace is not something we're out to get then, this kind, or that we hope to have someday. Romans 5.1 declares we have it if we have Jesus. But if you don't have Jesus, you don't have that peace. If you don't have Him, you want to be able to turn to Him even today. I want you to be convinced today that God wants peace and joy in your life from a hope that does not disappoint. But if that's hard to swallow, then this next thing's probably going to be even harder for you to grasp and to take in. Because Paul writes here, hope is a result of your personal suffering and mine. Our personal suffering. Actually, this is only a surprise if we didn't pay attention to the words of Jesus, who told us that life in Christ would not always be easy for the New Testament Christian to suffer, to have problems, to have struggles to be persecuted is the norm rather than the exception. And the Bible says, count it all joy to suffer like Jesus. Now, 
Someone once said, Christianity is not a small tender plant that needs to be sheltered from the wind. We are the mighty oak that does not expect to be spared from the problems or sufferings of human existence. We live in a world of natural disasters, of catastrophes, of economic hardships, of accidents and illnesses, wickedness and death. And we're to be realistic and positive in our approach to each of these. Paul goes as far to say that we're to rejoice in our suffering. Now, I, know, I guess I've known some Christians who, have, who seem to be happy when they suffer. At least it seems that way. I mean, if they hit their thumb with a hammer, they yell glory. If they have a car accident, they'll yell hallelujah. Now, uh, you know, these people, they're kind of strange, I guess, that are like this. Do you know people like this? Probably not. Because those who simply rejoice in their suffering, you know, hallelujah, every time something bad happens, they probably are not like this very long because they become disillusioned that this is what things are supposed to be. And it's hard to yell praise the Lord every time something bad happens. No, don't get me wrong. Some people really do enjoy their suffering and some people really enjoy telling others about all their suffering. But I don't think that's what the Scripture has in mind. We do not rejoice because of the suffering. It may be that we might rejoice in the midst of or rejoice because the process. I want you to notice the stages of a maturing Christian according to this passage. Suffering plus endurance plus character equals hope. Suffering plus endurance plus character equals hope. Suffering by itself does not produce hope. But add to that endurance. Sometimes translated, the word is translated perseverance. Which the Lord uses suffering to build up our endurance and help us to persevere so that He might build godly character. Maybe you've heard the definition of character before. Is character is who you are when nobody else is watching. Well, what Christ is seeking to build in us is Christ-like character. He wants us to be more like Him. Why would He want us to do that? Well, He wants us to have confident hope, and He wants us to be also, though, useful. Not only to grow in Christ, to be more like Him, but we're, being, we're going to be more like Him so that we might be a part of the expansion of His kingdom on earth. So that you might be a better, more positive influence pointing more people to Jesus. Sometimes when you suffer, it's hard to do that. Maybe sometimes in the midst of suffering, but you might just want to imagine how the Lord could use whatever it is you're going through to help someone else who's also suffering. Maybe somebody who's going through something similar. Maybe somebody who, if not today, maybe sometime in the future, could use someone like you to walk alongside them and to help them along the way. The word for suffering sometimes is translated tribulation. It means literally pressure. Whatever brings pressure in your life, whether it's a direct result or Christianity or simply because uh, as a, of living on this earth and as a part of life. And maybe you've heard the first letters of the words that are used sometimes is for stress, anxiety, and depression. What do they equal? First letters of stress, anxiety, and depression spell sad. And sometimes it seems that's all you can expect with the pressures of this life. But not so for the followers of Christ. 
for the followers of Christ, believers can expect if we'll make the choice to allow God to use His will to produce in us endurance, character resulting in hope. So what do those spell? The first letters of endurance, character, and hope. E-C-H. You know what that spells? Absolutely nothing. But it makes it true, and it is true because God's Word says it is. Norman Vincent Peale in his book, uh, Power of Positive Thinking, he popularized the term, God don't make no junk, or God didn't make any junk. But he used to lay, say in his lectures that we have two choices to make every morning. We get up every morning and decide that we feel good about ourselves or we can choose to feel lousy. And then he would yell at the top of his lungs, why would you choose to feel lousy? In Christ, it's more than just the power of positive thinking. It's the incredible power of the Lord Jesus Christ at work in our life that we can choose to wake up every morning and say, Good morning, Lord, instead of, Good Lord, it's morning. It is this patient endurance, perseverance, that produces a kindly character in a person to be more like Jesus, ready for what's next, more useful in His kingdom. Character is what is proven by trial, tested, and proved. The New English Bible says it like this. Endurance brings proof that we have stood the test. And it's that godly character that produces hope, the result of Christian suffering, a hope that we will make it through the suffering, yes, a hope that we'll one day be taken out of this world, receiving our heavenly reward, sure. But even more than that, that even under the worst kinds of pressures that this world or Satan is throwing our way, God is somehow able to use it for a greater good that He's able to make us more what He wants us to be and able to help us to be a better influence on others. There's only one place that I know of to where people have no problems whatsoever, and that's the cemetery. Norman Vincent Peale used to say, and we'll put this one on the screen, He'd say, if you have no problems at all, I warn you, you're in grave jeopardy. You're on your way out and you do not know it. If you don't believe you have any problems, I suggest that you immediately race from wherever you are, jump into your car, drive home as fast but as safely as possible, run into your house and go straight to your bedroom, slam the door, then get on your knees and pray, what's the matter, Lord? Don't you trust me anymore? Give me some problems. Now, most of us don't have to ask for problems. But we do have to need to ask the Lord that when problems come our way, that He might make us better and not bitter, that He might help us to draw close to Him and not farther away, because that's when the maturing process begins. But also, we know that it's a hope that does not disappoint because of the promises of God's love. Because of the promise of God's love. When verse 5 says, hope never disappoints, means that the hope we place in Jesus will never let us down as believers. Regardless of what we're able to see right now, right in front of us at that very moment. Our hope in Jesus will never let us down. So let us bask in the greatness of God's love. Hope is the reward for the believer who has a fresh awareness of God's incomprehensible love. He's given us the Holy Spirit who overwhelms a heart and life with His presence every day if we allow Him to. Verse 6 says, just at the right time, Christ died for us. Meaning just at the right time in history. Just when we needed Him most. When we were helpless. When we were hopeless. For a good man, one might have a hard time 
giving a life. For a great man, we might consider it, but Jesus gave his life while we were his enemies. Might be a good exercise from time to time to write, circle all the wiles and the wins in the Bible. While we were his enemies, when we were still without strength, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So let me ask you this question as we're basking in God's love today. Ask yourself, if Jesus loved me when I was lost, does He love me now any less? Love always hopes because He always loves. And because He's loved us and continues to love us, to love us, we want others to have and know the hope that we have in Jesus. The writer of Hebrews wrote in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for He who promised is faithful. I'll admit to you this morning that one of my favorite uh, country singers and songs is Charlie Daniels, When the Devil Went Down to Georgia Looking for a Soul to Steal. As a matter of fact, it was one of mine and Kelly's uh, first dates. I thought I'd impress her, take her to the Charlie Daniels band. She fell asleep, so... Uh, uh, whatever, but uh, I never thought about Charlie Daniel's Christianity till one day I saw Charlie's Daniel with a Billy Graham or the Franklin Graham crusade. Since then, I've seen him talk about his turn to Christ. I think Charlie's Daniel's life is an outpouring of God's love on his life. And he's written several albums and gospel songs uh, since then. One of those is called Jesus Died for You. I want to show you some of those words. He said, you may be down and you may be out with nothing to be glad about, but you can stand right up and shout because Jesus died for you. You may think that you can't cope. You may be drunk and hooked on dope. Believe me, brother, you still got hope because Jesus died for you. Stick a fiddle in that and it will play, I'm telling you. <laughs> and I almost stopped wearing boots today. but I do. It is that message of hope that we know is a result of God's outpouring love and it's a message that we want others to know. Aren't you glad that Jesus came down from heaven looking for a soul to save? And it was yours. The promises of God's love is more than we can imagine. I love the passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, to where it says, However, as it is written, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. But also we know today, hope does not disappoint because of the eternal life with Jesus. Because of the eternal life that we have with Jesus. That which we experience in part now, we will know fully when we get to heaven. Our final hope is found in where we will spend eternity. We want to borrow from a verse in this chapter. Look at the very last verse in Romans 5, Romans 5, 21. And it says this, So that as sin reigned in death, grace also must reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Yes, hope is for today and it is for the future. But even the future gives us confidence for today. Again, the writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 10.35, he said, So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. Uh, in the neighborhood that we lived in... Uh, North Alabama, there was a little lake, a little more of a pond, I guess, in the middle of the neighborhood in which we lived and um, had fish in it, you know, catch and release kind of thing that you go anytime. And 
uh, supposed to catch and release. But in the 10 years in which we lived there, only one time did it get so cold for long enough that it froze over. The whole lake or the little pond there froze over. And on one of those days, I was driving back into the neighborhood, and one of the ladies that I knew stopped me driving. And, and uh, we lived almost across from the lake, but uh, uh, she, point, she stopped, she pointed, she said, look at those little boys out on the thin ice on that middle of the lake. She said, you know the sheriff. The sheriff yelled at him, tried to get off. You know the sheriff, doesn't he live in this neighborhood? You think we should call him? Not the sheriff, police chief, in case anybody checks the facts. You know the police chief. And I said, well, and I, I said, I pointed the other side of the lake. I said, you see that house on the other side of the lake? I said, well, that's the, police, that's the chief of police house. I said, see those boys out on the ice? Those are his boys. I said, yeah, probably we should call him. But before we did, he showed up and yelled at them and they came scrambling off the ice. You and I were skating on thin ice. We were skating on thin ice when Jesus called us and brought us so that we might be off the ice, so that we might not fall through. And we simply had to follow His voice. Even today, sometimes as believers, we tend to skate on thin ice. Our eternity is assured. But if we will listen and we will follow His voice, our suffering will produce endurance, our endurance will produce character, and our character will produce hope that's found in Jesus. Today, you can know for sure Jesus died for you, loves you, and is coming for you. Jesus says, put your hope in Him, and you will not be disappointed. So I'm asking you today, do you simply need to follow Him more closely? Or maybe it is today that you just simply needed that encouragement. I imagine there's someone and maybe many today that needed the encouragement of saying, yes, Lord, I put my hope in You and I need to continue to do that. Or maybe you're here today and you need to put your hope in the Lord Jesus for the very first time. You need to once and for all Give your heart and life over to Him. We want to encourage you to do that even today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You so very much for this opportunity to come and stand before You and sing praises and lift up prayers. We thank You, Father, for how Your Word speaks to us and how it becomes very valuable to our daily living. We pray that other people might be able to see the difference that Christ makes in our own lives. And follow the, Father, today we, we pray for everyone here, we pray that today might be the day in which we know that we can be encouraged to continue to put our hope in you. Or maybe once again, follow you more closely and draw close. Father, we pray if there's someone here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that they can once and for all give their heart and life over to you. Knowing that the hope and the faith that they place in you will not go and not be disappointed. Not only for eternity, but for everyday living. We thank you, Father, for the trust that we can put in you today. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we pray. Amen.